Welcome to the Cajon Valley Podcast, a chance to meet the people and learn about the initiatives happening in our Cajon Valley community. Today we have Melanie Brandt with us on the show. She's a World of Work coach and career development trainer. Melanie, it's great to have you with us. Say hello to our fans. Uh, thanks for having me, Ed. I'm really excited about sharing my work and my journey. Well, it's, it's great to have you with us. Uh, so let's just dive into it. 17 years in Cajon Valley. Tell us about your journey here. So I started um, out actually getting hired as a special ed teacher. At the time, uh, jobs were kind of, it was a cut year, budget cuts, and so general ed positions were at a at, at a premium. And so I applied, I was chosen and hired as a resource teacher at middle school. Jumped into that, loved every moment, moment of it, decided to go back and get my special ed credential. Jumped over to an elementary special day class up at Blossom Valley. And I spent 12 years there doing third, fourth, and fifth grade special day class, all variety of disabilities, with students with special needs. And um, then I had the opportunity to move down to the day treatment class. Um, it was opening down the street at Rios. And at that time, they needed a kind of a veteran teacher to kind of get the class going and open. And it was a chance for me to kind of learn some new skills, um, mental health and trauma-informed and kind of that um, positive behavior aspect. And uh, it's a great opportunity to learn a whole new field. I feel like in that year, I learned a lot uh, more than most, probably the whole career put together. And at the time, Rios was changing over to become America's first computer science magnet school. And so I felt that was a good time to be able to take my skill set. It was an all-inclusive school and move over to the general ed and give that a try and also incorporating computer science integration. And at the time, World of Work became um, integrated as well. And so it was a great opportunity to see you know, the, the career exposure with not only the computer science jobs, but within all types of careers. And that last year in the classroom, I had fourth grade, fourth grade class, and there was something that just changed me as an educator and a person, because I saw how much engaged and how unique the student's experience at school was. And I've every time I reflected, what's so different about this year? I've always loved my job and love what I've done. But what's changed? And it was always going back to the students understanding themselves at a deeper level, understanding their own unique Ryaset codes, um, incorporating kind of what they can do now, looking at, I have artistic students, I have students that do want to do computer science projects, I have students that want to get up and do a TED Talks style. And so you start to create lessons and outcomes based on what your students enjoy doing and give them more options. And from that point, I thought this is a very unique and special time to be in education, but these kids are benefiting from this. And me as an educator, changing my, my outlook and my career. Well, it's an incredible journey that, you, that you've articulated to us and you've unpacked a number of different aspects of your journey and getting to where you are today. I'm sure a lot of people are I'm surprised when they see world of work coach and career development as part of your work. Um, I remember a particular um, conversation that we had where you talked about IEPs and uh, the benefit of having IEPs for your students when uh, you were focused in the special ed world and then transitioning into gen ed and there wasn't a, spe a special ed uh, IEP kind of um, identification for each student. So the world of work 
supported kind of your work around knowing your students better. Yeah. Is that correct? Absolutely. So being in special ed, you do receive an IEP um, prior to the school um, you're starting. And you. I would always go to what's the present level. And I would look at what are their strengths, interests, and preferences. So, because so you would be prepared on if they struggled those first few days of school, you knew what their interests were and what they needed to help support their learning. Whether it was something tangible to play with, whether they needed a break embedded in their day, or they needed some sort of snack to get them through the morning. So, you always kind of looked at that and tailored your classroom design for your to meet your special needs students, you know, needs. But now you jump into to Gen Ed, you've got 34 students in a fourth grade class, and there's no paperwork that comes along with them. And so you kind of have to, to, to think of ways to figure that out. But then when the World of Work came out and we did our RIASEC, we all self-identified our own unique RIASEC codes, I now had that view and that vision like, okay, I get it. This, per- this student is realistic. He needs tangible things. He needs to get up and move around. This other student's artistically inclined, so let's add that as an option for an output. So it gave me that lens of what can they do and what are their positive attributes to the classroom. And so this became the new kind of that present level page for me, and I am now looking at what they can do, not what's their reading levels, what's their math levels, what, what are their struggles, but what's the positive pieces to them? Absolutely. So how do the students react to this? Because I'm sure for many of them, this was the first time to be exploring careers in the classroom as part of the curriculum integrated in. So what, what were you seeing from students as you interacted with them? So you, I did see an increase in engagement. Um, actually, even it dawned on me kind of at that first trimester when I sat down to talk to parents for report cards. And I have that conference. And at first you go through, well, here's their reading score, here's their math scores, da-da-da. And then I would change over to, and here's what we did in the world of work. We were geographers, and we had to make a proposal, and they had to write. And actually realizing the whole simulation piece was all hitting all the different aspects of that report card. And then by the second, third report card conference, I pushed the report card away, and then I started explaining how they did in each of those levels. And it became like a positive thing. And many times, this is the first time I'd heard this, we were doing these uh, world work simulations. Oh, my students already told me all about that. They come home all the time and tell me this, that, and the other. Prior, you talk to parents and they go, well, they didn't tell me they're doing that. Students were going home. What did you do at school today? Typical kids are going to tell you, I don't remember or nothing. The kids were going home and they were telling their parents about these simulations and the RIASEC and all these things that we were doing. And their parents were connected now to the school. In fact, one of the moms was out in the public at a park, struck up a conversation with the park ranger. Next thing we knew, she found a program through the parks that allowed us to go on a field trip. And the park rangers came out talk to the kids. So you're meeting the professional. And then we were granted, it it was a grant, granted a bus. They paid for the bus for the students to go out and enjoy the local park right up the street from the school and enjoy a whole day on a field trip because the student went home and talked to his mom about what he was doing in school. And then she struck up a conversation with the local park ranger. And and certainly um, parent engagement is something that we all seek. We want to see parents engage in their students' lives. And oftentimes we hear from parents, you know, maybe my child isn't sharing what's happening um, in the classroom, what's happening during their day-to-day at school. So uh, that must have been a 
something that you really appreciated in, in this new exploration that, that you were brave enough to get started with. But you make it sound so easy, Melanie. I, I'm sure it can't be that easy. Um, I'm sure we have listeners right now who are thinking, you, you, you speak so naturally about this, you make it sound so easy, but how do I really get started? How would a teacher really get started? How does this really make sense in my classroom? Um, what are the core elements that would help a teacher get started with uh, bringing career-related learning into the classroom? How does someone get started? I think the initial the initial piece for me was I saw our TKK classes really diving into the RISEC and, and getting that dramatic play. And my own child was in that TK class, and I'm thinking, well, if she's going to come up and get exposure, I, I got to dig in and see what this is all about. And so I started with let's – learn about ourselves. Let's do the Ryasek exploration. And at fourth grade at the time, we watched the videos, the kids kind of self-assessed um, and kind of decided what are their top three codes. Also, even prior to that, I myself ensured that I understood what my Ryasek codes were. So we had had an in-service and taken the super strong so I had an idea of what mine were. And that's what we always encourage is to understand yourself to better understand the child. And we do that with parent groups and we do that with the teachers. We always encourage teachers to sit in that RIASEC inflammation level. You know, you the kids understand it, organically connect it, talk about it, meet new people in that join your classroom. How, what do you think their RIASEC codes are? I was speaking to a group of teachers just yesterday and they were sharing how they were talking about Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King and they just organically asked their second grade students, what do you think his RISEC codes were? And then the students kind of shared their ideas and also why do you think that? So they understand the language. And so just taking it naturally like that with something you've always, always done and connecting it now, well, how does the RISEC and, and further exploration of this look and sound? And when you're comfortable and you've built content, it's time to look at how those simulations can connect and the students can really start exploring the careers and trying them on and pretend playing. We were dramatic playing in fourth grade. And by that age, it's done. You're over with. You're sitting still. Yeah, uh, uh, Amazing. And, and absolutely, I can, I can envision it. I can see it already just through your des descriptions and having been to your classrooms. You, you keep speaking of this thing called the RIASEC. Can you help our audience understand what is the RIASEC and why are you using it? So the RIASEC has been around for many, many years. It was uh, studied and researched from John Holland, and it's six codes that he connected are most humans, and most people connect with two or three of them. And so it really takes that interest codes and what you're interested in, and you connect with it. So we have realistic, which is like the, we, we also refer to as the doers. So you value outdoors, hands-on, kind of solving problems and tinkering. They're investigative, like you're a thinker. So you like to problem solve. You're thinking your students who enjoy kind of math and science and problem solving. The artistic, I mean, it's an array, artistic creators looking at visual arts, performing arts, music, and actual paintings. And our social, which gets kind of confused because you think I'm a social person, I like to talk, but actually it's, it's more the nurturing and your help. 
So I'm thinking teachers and counselors. And so many of us teachers do align to the social. The enterprising, they like to persuade others. So you're thinking your 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 salesmen and people that really like to get up in front of people. And those are more your who you think of their social butterfly people. And then your conventional organizers, they like things organized, your data entry. So with those, when students kind of start to connect with those three two, three letters, they they have a an easier way of understanding who they are. And that hopefully when they've explored through many, many years in school, they're going to see where does that align to my future and what do I want to pursue? Not that we're saying, here's what you are in second grade, you're going to stick. They're also going to change over time. My one student identified as a social artistic investigator in fourth grade. And after doing our entrepreneurial, we had, we created small businesses. She realized I really liked having a small business. So I'm going to work on being more enterprising. And so even that, like, it's not a natural strength for her, but it was something she became interested in owning a small business. So she knew she had to work on being a little less shy and more more enterprising. So really at that fourth grade one-year exposure, she already could articulate that. And she's identifying where her needs need to be for improvement. So what I'm hearing here is that you're not actually boxing students in. You're not allowing them, so to speak, to foreclose um, or, or tracking them in a certain way. It sounds like students are, are open to, to explore different paths and, and to change course, so to speak, as they explore new interests. I think that's really powerful for yeah, students. Absolutely. And one of the things we encourage teachers and parents to, to say is after they've explored a career or even explored some of these RISEC activities, it's really important to reflect, why did I like that? How do I connect to that? But probably what's even more powerful is if they reflect to why they didn't like something. And that really isn't me. I couldn't really sit in front of a computer all day and in a cubicle and not really have people around because I'm more social. I like to work with others and be in more group settings. So knowing that they didn't like something and then being able to articulate why and then seek what they do like is also a key to it. So earlier on, you mentioned about the IEP, and perhaps you could just um, kind of explain that for our audience as well. What is an IEP? And and knowing what we know now about this RIASEC, this interest piece, um, how does that connect to that that conversation about the IEP for a student? So um, an IEP is an individual education plan, and students that have a um, some sort of either educational, academic, or medical diagnosis get on an IEP. And it's a plan that's designed with a team that includes the parent, um, if appropriate, the child. It includes somebody from the uh, district administrator, the teachers, the staff, anybody that's going to support that student's needs, whether it's um, a speech type of IEP, they have speech needs, gross motor, if it's some sort of auto, like a processing disorder, it's a learning disability. So students get on it, it's for a year to year, so it lasts a year, and there's supports in there that's going to help that student achieve better academic, social, emotional, or behavior kind of goals. It's a goal set out for them. So when you have that, you have to look at what their needs are, you know, where where are they struggling, where their um, disabilities impacting their learning and their education performance. There's a piece that kind of says, here's what the team's going to do to support that child. And then there's the piece where it's like, well, what are they good at? And what are their strengths and preferences? Because we want to have 
supports for that student. And you always typically tend to have a positive outlook because you have these goals and you're helping that child achieve those goals. And so it's more of a positive type of paperwork because you want them to be successful. And now shifting that lens in the general ed where they don't come with an IEP, but not everybody's at academic level and performing where they should be. There's students of all needs and levels in all any classroom, but you can look at what they're what they can do and that strengths versus what they can't do and not their deficits. And so that's what shifted in the classroom. And it shifted my lens, but it also shifted peer to peer because the students saw what their classmates could do versus what they couldn't do because they understood that each other have unique strengths, interests, values. I think that's an interesting point, especially when you look at the district's vision around happy kids, healthy relationships on a path to gainful employment. If I'm hearing you correctly, that students are understanding their own themes, and at the same time, they're starting to understand the themes of their classmates. And does that make them better classmates, have better relationships? Absolutely. And and you saw it firsthand. You know, I saw it um, in my classroom. There was a young girl who got pulled out or got pushed in support for both math and reading. She had what's called the specialized academic instruction minutes that she needed support. And she struggled in those academic areas, but she was a brilliant artist. And one of the tasks at the theme park engineer required to make a blueprint. And when it was time to kind of start grouping kids, they were all, I want Caitlin, I want Caitlin, I want Caitlin, because Caitlin was the artist. And all the students were fighting over who was going to get Caitlin in their group. And there she was. She was the one that had to draw the poster. And the students were fighting over her. And another student who had great computer science skills, he had difficulty maintaining attention, difficulty sitting still, but he was able, they all fought over him because he could build the scratch project that was needed for their for their project. So no longer was it, you know, all the, the top kids and the, and the kids that aren't shy going to be in one group because they realized that that's not going to work out. And then that, that, that extra support and love from her classmates and their classmates just transcended over to other parts of the day. And now I felt like they looked out for each other more. They were more of a community cohesive classroom. And it was, they didn't want school this school year to end. They wanted to come for summer. They wanted to meet. It was a very sad last day of school because nobody wanted to end because there was a different significant change in those kids that year. It's amazing. It's amazing to see your face as you're de- mm-hmm. as you're describing it. The pride that you have as as an educator of your class of your students to see how far they were able to come and and certainly for you to to be able to apply this new framework in a sense and and see students thrive through it and the impact for parents as well. I can see why you moved into this role of, as a coach in the world of work. And I'm wondering what is it that you're seeing in the district? How how have, how are teachers changing their practice? Um, what's going well? What are you excited about? I'm seeing a lot more teachers understanding it and realizing, wow, this is really good for for these for our students and their own children if they have school age children. Or you hear a lot of times, I wish my child, who's now in college, or my grown child, had had this exposure as a young age. And I see that people are are become figure out new and innovative ways to even integrate it. Like there's a framework and there's pre-baked or pre-designed lessons there. They can take those as a launch 
point, but then they're going over and beyond. And how can we organically and naturally integrate Ryasec or something I've already been doing all these years, and how does it make the connection for the students? And more and more teachers are getting comfortable with the language and understanding it more and being able to like articulate it to their students, and then they just see the impact of their students. And once you kind of get, get going on it and you see the change in the students, it, there's no stopping teachers. And um, it's 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 a it's a great ride. It's a great journey. Well, they're, I can tell that they're lucky to have you as a, as a coach and as a mentor in this space. Obviously, very new, um, but to have your supports is a big deal. I'm sure for them. So I know as well that you're not just working with teachers. In fact, this morning I think you were working with parents. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I'm sure some of our listeners are wondering. Um, they may not be teachers, and they're wondering, well, as a parent. Um, how could I get involved in this, and and what does training for for a parent look like? So we've um, developed three. It's kind of like our um, world of work parent sessions. We've developed three different ones in our district for our district as well as partner districts. I was out at La Mesa Spring Valley this morning um, at La Mesa Dale doing a, a session. So we like to connect parents and walk them through. You know, really dig into why. Why is the world of work important? Give them some of the information and the skills gap. And there's there's jobs out there, but the non-employable kids ready or young adults, we show them, you know, La Mesa, we showed them this morning in El Cajon has that disconnected youth, that opportunity youth that has those 16 to 24-year-olds that are neither in school or in college or working. And so there's a huge, you know, dis- disconnect there. So we give them all the information and then we actually have them say, okay, you, this is for you today. You're going to put that mask on yourself. You're going to self-assess and get your own unique interest codes, and you're going to have you leave here with your RIASEC. And so just as we do with, with the students and how we did as professionals, we walk them through the self-assessment where they get to watch the University of Buffalo videos. They kind of track did I, did I, is that something I, that connects with me? Is that something that I enjoy doing? And they kind of tally. And then we also walk them through a little more, even the hands-on activities, so we can expose them to our younger students typically have to self-assess going through hands-on activities. Your realistic station is going to have, let's build a a shelter for animals with Legos. Investigative is going to solve puzzles. So not only showing them that this is what we do, but maybe you have these items laying around the house. And at times on a rainy day or a day you don't want to have screen time, you can Expose your kids to some different um, types of RIASEC activities. And so they kind of understand leaving that they now have their RIASEC. We give them some talking points to go home and talk to their children about, ask them about their RIASEC. They understand if you start to see some sort of interest of your child, how to bring that out. If your child is really showing interest in art, and, and understanding some art. Maybe you go to the free Tuesdays at the museums down at Balboa Park. So looking at it through a different lens. For my own daughter, she's artistic. And so instead of, you know, we put our kids in soccer, we put them in sports, we put them in piano. I kind of had a mindset like, well, there's probably art classes. So let's think at it like that. I'm going to sign her up for some art classes because that's what she shows interest in. So really becoming that empowering the parents to be the child's first career coach. And it's a partnership between parents and teachers because we can't wait till their high school counselors are available because that's 
missing out on, you know, almost 10 years of conversations with so the I, students. I think it's, it's a, so it's a great, um, I, I think you're bringing us back to this important piece where, um, you know, teachers have a full day with students and they can bring them so far, but obviously when this work can happen in the classroom or in the classroom, as well as at home, um, and it sounds like it's something that parents can absolutely take on, um, when that is happening, when both parent and teacher are working on this common language, that that makes a significant impact on the, on the child. Oh, absolutely. And then the parents really sit up straighter too and go, okay, I have this role. I understand it now. I have these talking points. I have these strategies. And what's really unique too is we, we live in an area where it's not just one language. We were given, we have materials in Spanish. We did a Spanish English today. In our own district area, we have a high refugee population of families that were displaced and now live here in El Cajon. We have sessions where at one time it's in Spanish, it's in Arabic, it's in Farsis, and then of course I'm presenting in English and we have liaisons in small groups translating and those families are empowered with their, there's hope for their children and there's something out there to get them a better life here in America. And it's just, they leave with, with, with a feeling of, this is great. I, I, this is what I, my child needs. And many times the parents themselves are going to be looking for employment or want to improve their current career. And so we've even brought in partnerships with our local workforce partnership where they come out and give a third session on how to find that job. Here's some more resources on resumes, interviewing. And so when you're ready for that job, they have the skills and the knowledge to do so. And I've even had a parent who in her home country, she came up to me at the end and said, I was a computer scientist because it's sometimes it's a culture thing where you have to be doctors and lawyers and really pristine uh, careers. And she says, but I've learned now I'm artistic and I love art. So when it's time for me to go back into the career and find a career, I'm going to pursue something with the artistic lens. And so it was really incredible. She's already looking at finding something she's interested in and passionate about versus she has to. Well, Melanie, it is, it's amazing to hear your story. It's amazing to hear your journey and the impact that you're making, not just in the classroom, but also outside the classroom with parents um, and really lifting an entire community. If um, if our listeners want to learn more about the world of work, where would they go to learn more about what you're doing? So we have um, the world of work network that has kind of an overview of information, but you can also go if you're on Twitter, um, you can follow the hashtag CVWOW or at CV World of Work. There's lots of good information there that teachers share and it gets retweeted. Um, Ryasec is something that's Google Ryasec and there it comes up. It's, it's research-based. It's, it's nothing we created. It's something, one of our tools that we use, a framework that's been very successful for us. The University of Buffalo videos are on YouTube that you can kind of preview and see well, what maybe what my Ryasec is and um, come to one of our sessions or reach out to somebody on our end and you can always explore taking your own super strong through the Myers-Briggs company. So those are always some pathways, but um, there's lots out there for parents and families and teachers too. And if you're within our district or one of our partners, we have a, a team upstairs here that, that can get on a call and help you walk you through some of the materials. We, we go out and do trainings often, and we're a source of information. We have digital badges for teachers to join so they can sit in the comfort of their own home and learn more about it. Um, and that's been 
really um, successful. We've joined a partner district as well as our own district teachers that have the first levels through beta testing. So we hopefully got all the kinks out, but at least you get a really good foundation of the information. Well, fantastic. I can't thank you enough for coming in today and sharing a little bit about your world of work with us. Uh, thank you for the work that you're doing, preparing students for their future world of work. And uh, we look forward to watching your progress as you continue out with this really important uh, initiative right here in the Cohen Valley Union School District. So before we close, I also want to thank uh, Mr. Brandon Sullivan, uh, our audio engineer who's been helping to produce the podcast, uh, who wrote the music for the podcast and has been uh, so super diligent in supporting um, this work as we get started with telling a little bit more about our story. And we're looking forward to uh, the episodes that are soon to come. We'll be speaking to parents, uh, students, as well as other employees in the district. So we hope that you will sign up to be a subscriber uh, you can use any of the, the normal methods, whether it be um, iTunes or um, going to our website. But we certainly look forward to you uh, signing up, listening more, and perhaps sending us feedback about the work that we're doing. So we do believe that Cajon Valley is the best place to live, work, play, and raise a family. And our work is all about developing happy kids in healthy relationships on a path to gainful employment. So for those of you listening in today, if you want to learn more about the Cajon Valley Union School District, please visit our website at cajonvalley.net. And if you want to learn more about the World of Work initiative, visit our website, worldofwork.net. Thank you. This podcast was recorded and edited by Brandon Sullivan. Our music was written and performed by Amanda King, Nick Matthews, and Brandon Sullivan. You can keep in touch with us by emailing us at podcast at cajonvalley.net. And we would also like to take this opportunity to thank all of the staff, teachers, students, and community partners of the Cajon Valley Union School District for their support of our mission and without whose efforts this podcast would not be possible. Thank you. Thank you.